Welcome to Can, Can We, we talk, talk About This? I'm your host, Amberly from The Power of Birth. And I'm your producer, Rajelle from Be Designs. And together we created this podcast to talk about women's health and the things that really matter. We have a real passion and focus on women's health and wellness and overall emphasize the importance of talking about maternal health. We chat to experts and continue sharing your stories. We're here to start the conversation, raise awareness, spread the word, call out gaps in the system and implicit biases. And we hope you learn something or even if you're just screaming yes the entire podcast. This is not a place for small talk. We're about real talk. And when we know better, we do better. And we challenge you to start this conversation elsewhere. Doulas, or the concept of a doula, have been supporting women through birth before any other known birth professional, and yet somehow we get to the 21st century, and it appears uncommon, in the West at least, to have a doula support your birth. Research has shown over and over the extremely positive benefits and outcomes having a doula has for birth experiences. For example, one study found the 31% decrease in the use of induction, 28% decrease in the risk of a cesarean section, a 12% increase in the likelihood of a spontaneous vaginal birth, a 9% decrease in the use of any medications for pain relief, 14% decrease in the risk of newborns being admitted to the special care nursery, and a 34% decrease in the risk of being dissatisfied with birth experiences. These statistics are pretty remarkable in a day where one in three women experience birth trauma. The World Health Organization even states that all birthing women should have a doula and yet only 6% hire a doula. Those are American statistics, of course. But why isn't having a doula the norm? How did we get to the current birthing system that we have, which for many looks like time pressures, restrictions, outdated policies and procedures, unnecessary medical interventions, coercive language, and zero inclusion of a woman's instincts and intuition, just to name a few. So today I'm chatting to Amelia Pickering, who is, you guessed it, a birth doula, who felt the call to birth, support, educate, nurture, and nourish a woman in one of the most transformative and profound moments of her life. So Amelia, can we talk about this? Let's. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you became a doula? Yeah, I get this question a lot. And oh, is that, you know, sometimes I think I just didn't decide. I feel as though becoming a doula found me, you know, and I reflect on that journey quite often. And it's so obvious, I guess, at the time, I just didn't see it. I feel as though I never, ever was a little girl thinking, I love birth, I love babies, I want to be a doula. The truth is I had no idea what a doula was two years ago, um, which is, I suppose, how I can relate to people that say, you're a what? (laughs) You know, a what? How do you spell that? What is that? What do they do? Why don't I know? So you're a midwife. I'm like, mm, okay, no. But that just shows how little, I suppose, doulas are known. And for me, it's more about the woman. And sometimes when I reflect on how I became a doula, I do really see the connection more than, than I guess, what I thought I could in the sense that I love women. I love women. I just think women are incredible. And you mentioned before, you know, that you were a little bit drawn to the things I post because I come across like, you know, quite strong or, you know, fierce, I suppose, is the word passionate. And that's just what I think women are. And I feel as though we've been robbed of that in so many areas. And that probably makes me sound like this bitter woman who, you know, is is like, annoyed that our power's gone but that's not the case I just think women have lost that connection of each other because when women gather we feel strong we feel like we can do anything when you have the right women around you in circle in community in friendships in family we feel like we can do anything and I think that's what drew me to being a doula is that I wanted to I envisioned this world where women are connected weirdly it has no connection to babies which I thought I thought that was birth (laughs) I thought birth was just babies you know little naive Amelia and it's not birth is women and birth is women that have lost connection to other women and 
in turn that means you lose connection to self because we are all connected as women we may not be able to be so physically connected these days and we may feel disconnected in many ways but ultimately at the core of us we are all connected and that's the essence of what I believe being a doula is is bringing it back to that connection to self and that connection to other women and I suppose that connection to a doula which is you know a woman a support person and so would you say that that is the basic difference between a midwife and a doula then? Because I know that some people be like, why would I need a doula? I have a private midwife, just as an example. Yeah. And midwives, they are amazing. They do amazing work Mm. and they work very hard, but they are trained in this medical framework. Do you think that that's the difference between the two? Interesting question. And I, I had a little think about this as well. And yes, of course, I do believe that one of the main differences is the fact that midwives are trained medically um, to support women during birth and doulas aren't, which is really important for people to understand. But also there's not a huge difference between us when you when you take a look at what midwives do. And I am a huge midwife lover. I I love them. I am very blessed in the sense that I have never met a midwife who doesn't welcome me at a birth, who we haven't, you know, had chats during the birth and just had this connection again, women together around women. So to me, midwives and doulas share so much in common it's really important really important for us to understand the difference of course particularly for clients but when you look at it we're actually both there to serve the woman and if you were to go back many moons ago would there have been a difference would you be able to identify the midwife to the doula in a community where a woman may be birthing at home we would just all be the same we would be supportive women there to provide emotional support, physical support, support to the baby, support to the to the mum. And I do believe that obviously as birth has become more medicalised and we've moved into that hospital setting, the policies and procedures in which women have had to, sorry, in which people, sorry, because there are male midwives, and um, people have had to follow to become a registered midwife, that is because we've moved into hospitals, in my opinion. So I suppose midwives need that medical education. They need to have that ability to support a woman and a baby medically. Doulas don't, but that's because we've moved into a a hospital setting where that is required they are not allowed to practice. You know, they they have to adhere to certain rules, to certain policies. They need a degree, a medical degree. They do amazing things. But you would have to be asking yourself, is that because we are in a hospital? Um, you take a midwife and a doula out of the hospital setting, you'll find so many commonalities. We share the same principles in the sense that we're there to serve the woman through this beautiful birthing rite of passage. And I do feel as though, unfortunately, a lot of midwives are tarnished. A lot of, there seems to be this rivalry in some ways between, oh, I'm a doula, I'm a birth worker, I'm a birth keeper, you're a midwife, you, you know, you only work in hospitals, you, they, they do sort of get a little bit roped in with the the backlash at times and I think that's really unfair um, because yeah I'm yet to meet one that doesn't wholeheartedly support the doula's role and the mother's role and I know that that's only my story I can only I can only speak for myself in this situation I can't speak for all birth workers I can't speak for all midwives but in my personal opinion we share so much together and in that room we work so harmoniously as a team to support the woman. So what does a support from a doula look like? In terms of in the birth itself or the whole way through? Well, if you hire a doula, what are Mm. you hiring them for? Mm. 
Great question. I think it's that continuous emotional, physical support. It's the education. It's the evidence-based information. It's it's looking at something from a different perspective. Again, you might have you may see that that midwife. If you're lucky, you may see her throughout your whole pregnancy. And if you're even luckier, you may get her at your birth, which is fantastic. But is once every three weeks for 15, 20, 30 minutes if they can enough? Are you getting enough support? Are you getting enough time to ask your questions? Are you getting what you need to feel like you are an individual and that you are seeing someone who understands you and your pregnancy and your baby? Or unfortunately, is that lack of time? And in most cases, seeing a different midwife every time throughout your antenatal visits, is that enough for women? Because I don't think it is. I really don't think it is. So when you have a doula, you're hiring someone to walk beside you the whole way through. You have the ability to say, what is this? What is this test? What is what is GBS? Why do what, what I don't understand? Do I need this? Don't I need this? You're often just given a leaflet really quickly. If again, if you're lucky, if you're even luckier, you have a midwife who takes the time to explain what this is. But it takes a while to understand what all these tests and what they are. Do I want them? Don't I want them? What's the risk? What's the benefit? So if you imagine you can leave that appointment and you can pick up your phone and you can go, hey, Amelia, I just I just got asked, do I want this test? And unfortunately, the answer might be, I don't know if I do, because I don't know enough information about it. That's it. We can stop. We can talk about that. What is this? Do you want it? Don't you want it? How will that affect the rest of your pregnancy? How will that affect your birth? What are they actually looking for? What are the statistics on it? You know, so that's one thing I suppose that I find works really well with a lot of my clients. They're like, I just can't believe when I leave an appointment, I have you to call or text and ask about. And they get that clarity. They feel a lot clearer on what they would just, yeah, what was just presented to them. And I think that that aspect of a doula role really goes unseen because we sort of, I suppose we're all learning still what a doula is. It's, It's on the rise, but we've still got this there's still this belief and this notion that a doula is just physical and emotional support during the labour. And it's a really important part that I want to emphasise is that the work we do prior to the actual birth is huge. It's humongous. You know, we're really picking apart every test, every option, every bit of information. We're helping you navigate the system if you are birthing in the system. And every birth, every body is different. You know, so you imagine if you've got someone who's hoping to have a VBAC and she doesn't have the right support around her, she doesn't have continuous care, she is thrust into working with an OBGYN that is not pro-VBAC, how do we feel that birth is going to go? So we can help right at the start to say okay we need to make sure your support is set up for you so we're working continuously in the background so that when the birth happens we've got the best possible chance of the client having the wishes the preferences happen because if we don't if we don't set that up behind the scenes when we get there we're going to have a big fight on our hands which is not what you want in the middle of birth so if we're talking about a C-section, for example, in the in the birth, if and a C-section's not obviously not being on the cards and it's not a planned C-section, um, we just go back to the, the information at the time. Let's make an informed decision. And to have an informed decision, you need to have all the information. So we need to be understanding, like, what what, what is this an emergency C-section? Because it's very different to having time to make the decision to have a C-section. So if we've got the time and they're saying, we think a C-section is best, we'd be saying, well, why? What do you, why do we need to have a C-section? Have we tried other options? 
does mum and dad feel comfortable with trying another option for example instrumental birth do they prefer instrumental birth or a c-section or you know we need to be very clear about the language we use if you and my doula teacher taught me this that an emergency c-section is no one has a choice we don't have time to be talking about options because they are in that theater we're saving someone's life whether that is the baby or the mums that's an emergency c-section if you've got the ability to stop ask the information and make a decision we're talking we're still talking about an elective c-section it may not be a planned c-section but it's still an elective c-section you may have other options than the c-section so we just need to be talking about that what are the other options what are the reasons for the c-section i've been in in births where it's been we need to have an emergency c-section and then an hour later everything's fine and we can't have an emergency c-section anymore because someone else is having an emergency c-section okay so that was really not an emergency then was it so you know it's 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 a very good time that I would like to start bashing the patriarchy right now, but I'm, you know, I try and rein myself in on this. But we want to, we want to still keep the the options, the information going. We want to be using the brain acronym. You know, what are the benefits? What are the risks? What does my what What are the alternatives? What does my intuition tell me? What happens if we do nothing? Use it. Apply it to everything. You might not always find you have all the time, but yeah, if, if, if there's no time to make a decision, then that's an emergency C-section and we absolutely, unfortunately, just have to pass it over to the medical professionals in the hopes that at that point, their expertise and their knowledge will come in and do what needs to be done. It's almost like a doula is in some way a personal assistant to your birth. Mm-hmm. So it's like your go-to yeah. person. 100%. Yeah. Wing woman, like PA, coach. <laughs> yeah, wing woman. That's mm. a better word. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mm. I think about the first time I heard the term doula mm. and I was kind of like, oh, what's a doula? And I think I was quite young and it was explained mm. to me that they're just kind of like this spiritual being that might save <laughs> the room for you. And, yeah, yeah it was like that was it. That, mm. that was like my brief mm. explanation of a doula. And so in my head for years and years, I was just like, oh, yeah, like they're there to like help you in some kind of spiritual yeah. way. And while there's probably an element mm. of that, that is definitely not the be end all. And it's mm. not until after the two births that I've had and pregnancies that I've mm. had in my experiences in becoming a mother that I recognized the the deep need for every birthing woman to have a doula, every Mm. postpartum woman to have a doula. And, you know, I've had two babies. I'm not having any more. But now I'm like, okay, not once was the discussion ever, oh, you're going to have a doula? That was never asked. So, and then, Mm. you know, if we look at the statistics of the women using doulas, I, I sit here and I think knowing what we know about doulas now and birth and the success rates and the less intervention and all Mm. all of the stats that we have, we don't actually have, I couldn't find any Australian stats, but the stats in in the US are only 6% of people Mm. giving birth hire a doula. Knowing the benefits of having a doula, I mean, people pay thousands of dollars for a private midwife. Yeah. So, you wouldn't even need to do that. You would, you would be able to put your funds into having a doula and mm. birthing your way and having your, your wingman or wingwoman <laughs> yeah. with you the whole way. So yeah. can you think of any maybe barriers there are for mm. people hiring doulas? Yeah. I mean, well, the big barriers, it's not talked about enough, which is why this is really important to just have these conversations. You, you mentioned a really important um, part there where you said, that no one said to you, are you having a doula? Um, and I think... It's not even in the conversation, yeah. yeah correct. I mean, look... But are you breastfeeding? Yeah. And, you know, that, like there's other questions I get asked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, um, yeah, I don't know. And even that, just saying, are you having, you know, are you having a doula would just spark a conversation of, oh, what is a doula? And if someone said to me, well, a doula is, yeah, like you explained, you're... you're 
private birth personal assistant, your birth coach, your wing woman, um, they're going to be there with you the whole way through. They're going to serve you and they'll be at your birth. You tell me someone who says, yeah, nah, I'm good. I, I don't think I really need that. Like we, we're crying out for continuous support. It's, it's proven that that is what we need. Women need to feel supported the whole way through. And that's not just in the birth. You know, I can't explain that enough. I feel as though even my clients, when we first start working together, they really have this idea that the birth is the biggest part of this relationship, this doula-client relationship. And whilst, of course, that's what we're working towards, the work we do prior to that is huge. And that is what we need. And that's unfortunately what I think is the biggest barrier is that society doesn't even respect or accept that the way a woman is treated throughout her pregnancy will have a huge effect on how she births. And if she doesn't feel supported, she hasn't had the ability to talk about the fears that are on her mind that are swirling through her mind day to day, week to week, as this birth gets closer, that she hasn't had the opportunity to talk about the fact that birth is, doesn't have to be painful, petrifying, horrific, scary, that she has the ability to talk to someone who says this is going to be beautiful, powerful, spiritual, how did they feel she will turn up in that birth if you don't have that person to talk to about how your birth can unfold, how your birth can be powerful, how you can own your body, how you can dictate who you want in that room, how you want those lights turned down, what music you want playing, how you can you know navigate the system even in the birth because it's still going. You're still being pulled into the system throughout the the antenatal sessions of course but in the birth itself whilst you're trying to birth and whilst you need to let go and surrender and have no part in thinking logically you still have medical professionals in your ear asking you questions or doing things that completely go against the natural process of birth and if you don't even know at that point, you can say, leave me alone. I don't want this. No, thank you. Go away. I'm fine. I trust my body. I trust my baby. Then when that does happen, you're going to be pulled out of yourself answering these questions that are completely irrelevant, that don't need to be happening. But if a woman doesn't know she even has the option to ignore those questions or to decline or, you know, that that being inward and going within and finding that space within is exactly what she needs to get through this birth. We're just completely tinkering and tampering with it the whole way through. And unfortunately, she will leave that birth and say, oh, I didn't even know that I you know, could decline a, an examination. I didn't know that I could move the bed away. I didn't even know that I could put the blind down. I didn't know I could bring my own music. And it all adds up you know? Yeah, definitely. And I think about the births that I had. So I was very fortunate to get into a birth center and have a private midwife yeah. and not have to pay for it. How amazing yeah. is that? Yeah, it is. So I did have that continuity of care yeah. throughout my pregnancy, <laughs> despite, you know, being undiagnosed with hyperemesis and things. So things mm. were missed anyway. Yeah. But I look back, uh, particularly in my first birth, I look back and I think, how much that experience could have transformed him into something really positive had I had a doula because mm. having that having that that personnel that birth advocate and birth coach yeah. with you the whole way along it, it is very confusing the first time you go into this particularly mm. for someone like my pregnancies were unplanned so I wasn't necessarily in this frame of mind to begin with and then you know throw some obstacles in pregnancy and things like that along the way and and I know even maybe women that have had stillborns or women that have mm. had significant intervention in their births yes. 
or feel even if it just comes down to being disappointed it didn't go the way that you thought mm. because I do think that a lot of the time birth is is put like you were you only had a successful strong empowering birth if it looked a certain way yeah and I'm a big believer in it doesn't have to, we're not we're not all the same so why would we yeah. be birthing the same and this is where I think a doula really can play a huge role mm. in helping you feel that empowerment in birth and yeah. like you were saying before, connecting within yourself, I think that yeah. that is a massive part of birth, mm. definitely. And again, something that I've learned along the way. So it's like I would be going into baby number three if I was going to have another baby, if I could have another baby, mm. um, you know, you never mm. know what could happen. And <laughs> and I just think how different that experience would be for me knowing what I know. But it's so hard because it's like how mm. do you tell someone all of this it, when they're in the beginning and they just, you don't know what you don't mm. know, you know, right. like it's, it can be really hard to, you, you know, yeah. without trying to be biased and, you know, you've really got to try yeah. and rein it in somehow and, and be respectful in the fact that they are at the beginning of this and That's coming right. into this. So then uh, talking about biases and things, I wanted to ask you a question. So mm. if a birthing woman maybe has a different view to you during mm. this process, how do you deal with your own biases about birth? It's really easy for me. It's not my birth. It's Great so, answer. It's I love so that. Easy. I just yeah. It's not my birth. And I think because everybody everybody has an opinion about birth, right? Like you just chat to someone about your birth story or all their birth story, and all these mm. things come out. Everybody has an opinion about everything, which is such a catch twenty yeah. two because you know freedom of speech. Um, you know, huge pro choice advocate in the sense that you can you can feel what you want to feel you can choose to believe what you want to choose to believe but we have to ask ourselves how open-minded we are and how accepting we are of other people's beliefs and wants and what works for them and um, you mentioned that obviously everyone is different and everyone has a different idea of birth and I think it's really important to explain that as well in the sense that what what I believe, well, there's no perfect birth, but, you know, I have my own visions and goals and dreams of what birth would look like for me. And that might sound absolutely horrific and awful for someone else and petrify them. You know, and that's why I talk to women about what makes you feel safe? What is safety to you? And if safety is birthing in a hospital and making sure that you've had every antenatal check and you've got an OBGYN that's overseeing your your care, then that's fine. That's absolutely great. I want women to do what makes them feel safe because they have got their own experiences growing up, very different to mine, very different to yours, very different to every other woman. And what what triggers them and what may make them experience trauma is very different to me and to you and everyone else we also experience trauma in different ways I might leave a birth and find it incredibly traumatic for me personally however debriefing the clients later they might say it was great we got everything we wanted we you know we felt in control we felt happy and so we all take away different experiences from birth I will support women in whatever form they want whether that be an elective c-section whether that be in a hospital whether that be at home whether that be with a private midwife whether that be free birthing if the woman wants support I will support her because it's not my birth and the outcome is not on me it never is it never has been and it never will be um I can only do my best to provide her with all the information and say ultimately the decision's yours. And so I think a lot of it at the end of the day does come down to education, birth education. Mm. And, you know, we, with COVID, we've had a lot of changes with birth, yeah. women birthing alone, you know, don't even get me started about that sort of stuff. That's mm -hmm. the most infuriating thing I've ever heard in my life. And my heart goes out to those people um, that have been through that. But mm. I really do think that it comes down to this education because if we're talking about birth trauma, if we're talking about interventions and the risks or the pros or the mm. cons or whatever it be, or you and you being in a, in a scenario where you have to make a decision, 
If you don't have that education behind you, how are you ever possibly going to be able to make an informed choice Mm -hmm. in this scenario when you're in probably excruciating pain and you're being thrown different thing, you Mm -hmm. know, different scenarios at you? Oh, we could do this, but this will, this would be the outcome or, you know, whatever it be. Yeah. So, what do you think is lacking in birth education and classes and antenatal appointments or wherever we would be able to get this this information from? What yeah. what do you think is lacking? Truth. We're just you know, we're not we're not talking to women about the truth of birth. I mean, I'm gonna look at I'm gonna use an example of hospital um antenatal sessions. They don't talk about the cascade of interventions. They talk about they talk about, oh, when you get to um, X weeks, we'll probably start talking about induction. But don't worry, you do have options. You can choose one, two or three. Well, where's the option now? Thank you. Like, that's it. There's no there's no truth about birth. We're just talking about the the way in which the medical world or the hospitals view birth. And they're not empowering them with information to say you can accept or you can decline that's you know that's another thing in terms of consent yes absolutely do we need to be <laughs> to, do we need to be giving consent like the fact that we even have to teach that just fucking angers me but also the fact that we need to teach well you don't have to give consent consent is an option you have a right to refuse and and that right to refuse can be game changing for a birth game changing no i don't want vaginal examinations no i do not want continuous monitoring no i do not want to stay in this hospital no i do not want an induction you know it just the right to refuse consent cascade of interventions, the cascade of hormones, the power of oxytocin, the the power of the mind. We don't even we don't even begin on the power of the mind. We talk all the time about this might happen in your birth and this might happen and this you know, I suppose I'm just looking at hospital antenatal classes where they're sort of they they're even they've put you on the conveyor belt then and you're on it and you know you're weaving your way through these antenatal sessions in the hospital that do not teach you about your rights um language a hospital's not going to highlight language that is used by their own staff you know you're going to get education in an in an antenatal session in hospital that is set up to benefit the hospital and when it happens, they're not going to call themselves out on things. So, you know, mm-hmm. seeking out independent antenatal classes um, from private midwifery groups or with your private midwife or hypnobirthing, calm birthing, huge, huge difference. People leave there going, oh, I I just didn't even know this. I, I didn't even know that my that my body knows how to birth. You know, I thought I would have to learn how to push. I thought I would have to learn every single stage. And in a lot of these classes, they're teaching you, actually, all you need to do is just surrender and do your best to arm yourself with some techniques and tools and tips to find comfort throughout each stage of the the birth. So that, you know, when you do get to that point of, the pushing phase when the baby's there you're almost there you just need to keep surrendering keep just allowing your body to birth your baby so I do hugely believe that there is so much truth lacking when it comes to our bodies and babies the language the rights the consent it's huge it's important and like you said you don't know until you know Mm. And I am, um, I, I just think personally as a doula, what I've learned since I started my training, I'm mind blown daily. The depth in which you can go with birth is phenomenal. And you mentioned that when you first thought about a doula and what a doula was, you know, that they would be sage in the room. And I always joke with, with my clients who, um, 
you know, who explain to families, we're having a doula and they're like, what? Why? What are you doing? Are you planning on a home birth? You know, that yes, of course, we're going to plan it around the full moon and have a ritual and do, you know, blood rituals. And, you know, the the thing is, birth is spiritual. It is. And I think that's become a bit of a, a bit of a joke as well. Um in the sense that birth is so deep it's a portal it's a spiritual ceremony and if that means that people view doulas to be there banging a drum you know under a full moon then they really need to understand what spirituality is and what it means to know oneself because I've seen a woman go into the depth of her core and birth her baby without any assistance and help and it is something it's pure magic like that to me is magic that is what magic is and when you witness that you just think to yourself this is the portal of birth this is exactly what birth is and if being a doula means that we will assist you to navigate going to the depths of yourself then hell yeah doulas are spiritual absolutely because that is what we'll do. We'll, you know, we'll tell you, you can do that. Yeah. And I think that's definitely something that's missing Mm. in this, in birthing classes and birthing education. No woman is given or told about their right to their own intuition. Mm. Like that's really something that's not Mm. there. And it's definitely, I, you know, I, I always reflect on my own experiences and it's definitely something that I didn't believe was possible for me because personality or, you know, whatever the excuse was. Whereas I definitely think if we had an educational framework that provided these elements of birth, I I honestly wonder how different we would be birthing. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. So how can a doula then advocate for you? And how do Mm. we know when we need to advocate for ourselves? Um, Well, you hit the nail on the head with intuition. Mm. If something doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right. You don't need to, if you're feeling pushed, you're feeling coerced, you're feeling like, oh, I don't know. That's intuition. That's that's the niggles inside you. And it's going to be damn confusing if if you are not used to listening to your intuition or if like many people, you don't even know what intuition is or how to access it. We've got a very got a very busy world in the background there teaching us in many ways that we need to rely on other people to make decisions for us that we don't know what's best for us so when you're in the the midst of birth and you're thinking do I want that don't I want that I'm not sure like the fact that you feel resistance is is a point where you have to you know you have to think yeah does this feel right for me and that's why working on your 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 own self, your intuition, what feels right for you, having the education prior by going, hell no, I don't want that. That's not that's not what I want. I use vaginal examinations as a as a as a um, example all the time because you don't need to have one. It's as simple as that. And if someone says to you, "I'm going to do an examination now," is that okay with you? Yes, you're asking for consent, but you're not providing the woman with any form of information that she doesn't need to have one. And you're not explaining to her the information that you're hoping to gather at the time. So she can't make a decision on that. And if you don't even know that they're an option, how can you even possibly begin to refuse? As women, we tend to be people pleasers. Oh, I don't want to say no to the midwife telling me that she needs to check me internally um when really deep down she's thinking that is the worst thing that I want it's traumatic the last one was painful I don't want to go there again I actually don't want to know how dilated I am but now I feel like I have to and we've brought her back again into making decisions logical decisions she's left herself and this portal that she's in to come back and make a decision that is based on policy So Mm -hmm. in that sense, the woman needs to always be listening to her intuition. And if she hasn't worked on that throughout pregnancy or any point in her life, trying to do that in the moment is going to be really hard. And unfortunately, as a doula, I cannot make that decision for her. And you mentioned, you know, how can I advocate? What can I do? 
I will not make a decision on behalf of anyone. But I absolutely will in that moment say, remember what we spoke about? How do you feel? What is your body telling you? You know, you have the option. You can give permission and say yes, if you would like to know how dilated you are, or you can say no and continue on. I'll also maybe pop in and say, if you want the room to yourself, you can do that. If you want everyone to leave other than me and the partner, you can do that. We can talk about that ourselves. These decisions often don't have to be made super quick and urgent and everyone needs an answer. You know, you can tell everyone, please leave. I need to take some time out and we'll talk about that together. And that's, I guess, just reassuring the woman. And I think when you're in pain, you're vulnerable, you know, mm. so having having the push, you're not in the in that um the right mind frame to be, you know, oh, what what do I want? What's my body telling me? It's quick, 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 yes or no. Mm. Uh, or this is happening mm. now. What do I do? Mm. So I I definitely see the benefits in having a doula throughout all of this. Mm. And yeah. a lot of uh, a lot of women reach out on the Instagram polls this week when I asked mm. some questions about having a doula come on the podcast, and yeah. a lot of the women were saying that they were quickly left unsupported, unattended, mm. left alone, felt confused yeah. and anxious, overwhelmed, even right down to having breastfeeding difficulties. How do you think, how can normalising having a doula fill that gap? Well, midwives don't have enough time to attend to the woman in the way that they want to. You know, like I go back to what I said, midwives are serving the woman. They're incredible, uh, but they're bound by policy. And unfortunately, hospitals just cram in as many people as they can and they want you in and they want you out. Um, so, you know, when you've got a midwife that's having to document and take notes the whole way through, um, she unfortunately can't be as present with you. So I think <clears throat> if you think about it, if, if you believe that that midwife is going to be with you and only you that whole way through and she's going to be able to help you overcome those feelings of being overwhelmed, feeling unsupported, then unfortunately you will be pretty disappointed because that's not the case. They want to, and I say they, sorry, but the, the ones I have met want to. They want to be that physical and emotional support, but they're also pulled into having to document everything, having to head out, talk to the doctors, update everyone, possibly even get pulled into another room, managing another birth and assisting another midwife. They do shift swaps. So if you do get lucky enough to build that rapport and that relationship with your midwife, birth takes a, a while, you know, like birth is lengthy and it's beautiful and it can be long. Um, and you have to wave goodbye to her and then start again with a new one. And it's likely at that point that you're thinking, you know, you're tired, you're exhausted. You don't want to be building a relationship with someone when you're in the midst of labor um, and having to explain how you're feeling, what you want. Your partner's probably also very overwhelmed because, let's face it, they had no idea that this was going to be as intense as powerful they are so unaware of the way in which the birthing woman acts during labor and when she's saying I can't do this I can't do this they're like okay she can't do this and you know that's mm. not what she needs to hear she needs to hear you can do this and everybody then you're feeling like great my husband or my partner or you know my wife whoever it is they now don't know what to do and I was relying on them to pull me back in and say you can do this so those feelings just spiral and unfortunately in the room there's a hell of a lot of intensity there's a lot of confusion there's a lot of overwhelm there's a lot of unknown and everybody is navigating this birth as best they can from the midwife being pulled out of the room all the time and having to take notes and 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 do what she needs to do to adhere to policies and procedures to the partner going, oh my God, what the hell is going on? To the woman feeling like, I just, I, I don't even know what to do right now. You know, again, making those logical decisions that she does not need to be making. Partner feeling like, shit, I should have watched that birth video that she sent me on Instagram because now I don't know what to do. He's looking at the midwife like, don't you know? And she's like, well, I, 
you know, I can only do what I can do. So when you're a doula, you tend to get that ability to just ground the room. That's what I find I'm always doing. I'm like, you guys are fine. You can do this. Remember, you are oxytocin. Go and cuddle her. Go and love her. Tell her she can do this. You know, when when they're feeling like, no, she really can't. We're thinking, is she in transition right now? What's going on? We're reminding them, remember, we talked about this. This is going to happen. Go take a break. Go calm yourself. Come back in. You know, and, and just, yeah, really, really taking that that beautiful time to bring the energy back to calm. You know, reducing that overwhelm, reducing that feeling of panic. You know, just, just saying if, if at any point you want the midwife to leave, that's fine too. She can pop out or she can just go and sit in a corner and and do things. And then they're, they're not aware they can do this. I think a lot of people maybe assume that a doula takes the role of what maybe a partner mm. would, but mm. it really sounds like you work with the partner and that's kind of how you're doing it. You're, you're a yeah. team. You work as a team. And, you know, just in this conversation, I'm just like, Oh my goodness, if you're listening to this, go <laughs> and hire a doula because it's true though because what you were saying before about the partner being unsure or seeing you reach your limit and yeah. then going, okay, this is her limit, what's next, you know, and, and yeah. trying to search for answers because, yeah, like they, that generally speaking, if it's a male, they they maybe aren't in these birth conversations. So they have even yeah. more limited knowledge than than we do in the beginning partner support that's a really normal one where people will think you know where maybe the dads will think am I going to be pushed out are they going to take my place like I don't want to feel that way and oh and that happens not with doulas but like it happens in the it does unfortunately it does um you know again hospital settings um policies procedures they don't have the ability to uh, many a lot of the time midwives are pushed to their limits on how they can give as much as they can to this one person as well so even trying to think the think about the midwife including the partner as much is is so difficult time is precious there and um limited resources but my one of my favorite things is working with partners I love it. I think it's just absolutely fantastic. The relationship that I build with a lot of the dads is just as close as the relationship that I build with the mum. It's actually just at a birth on what a day on Friday, Wednesday. And, you know, we've all worked together for many months now. And this mum and dad, they put in the work. They really put in the work together individually, but also as a team and it was interesting because I remember before we started working together one of his worries was will the doula take my place because I want to be so involved you know and um and obviously the mum had spoken to him about that and was like no no that's that's not going to happen and so for me I always knew that he he really had this deep passion to be so involved because everybody's different and um just just the you know just seeing that unfold for him I knew that that was his wish um and being able to make that happen for them as well knowing that anything I sort of thought oh mum might want to try this position or a little bit of this or a little bit of that you know I would whisper to dad like why don't you try this or let's try that and and he would love doing that and um you know one of his hopes was to catch his baby and um and that was just magical to see that happen, to know that their birth, it was their birth experience. He got to fully be present in the birth of his child and had no one take aspects away from him that were important. And, you know, when I was watching them after the birth, I was just so proud of them that they both got to experience this incredible birth in the way in which they both hoped for. And I know that a lot of that came down to us doing the work throughout, you know, and and working on what they can do. And dad spoke up in the room. He was like, no, no, no. Can you do this? No, thank you. Don't do this. You know, and he was so in his power, which just had such a ripple effect on mum, knowing that her, you know, her badass dad really had her back the whole way through and they just they just nailed it together so I think 
doula support is as important for the partners as much as the birthing people as well, for sure. Definitely. It does give their power mm. back, I think, like you were saying, and it creates mm. like a new bond, I think, mm. in that process. Definitely. Oh, it's it's incredible the the way that you see a mum and a, a dad transform. And I'm just using mum and dad there as the as my blanket response, but a mum and a, a dad transform in the room and they, you know, that birth to them was beautiful and empowering and magical and they they got to connect deeper together um and you know dad has moments of vulnerability where you know he's like oh god okay can we do this been a long time and at that point I'm there for him and I'm like go take a break go get some food come back send to yourself like nothing's happening quickly I'm here and I think just knowing them knowing that I'm going to be in that room with mum they have permission to leave they're like okay I feel Mm -hmm. fine you know, Amelia's there, they're together, it's fine. They can take a break because it's exhausting being a birth support mm. person. Though, you know, sometimes it's like 30 hours of support. It's it's madness. Yeah. Um, and so is a doula there the whole time? Can't speak for everyone. I don't know what they do, but there is not a chance I'm leaving, that's for sure. Yeah. We're there the whole, yeah, usually early labour onwards. Early labour, I think, is probably the most confusing part, particularly if it's mm. being quite lengthy. I, you know, it took me 12 hours to get to four centimetres. I definitely had yeah. questions, but I didn't have anyone to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you were like, what? When do, when do we go to the hospital? That's like the question, right? And yes. I suppose you don't know until you know. And again, it's it's like, oh, you just don't know. And you've got your, 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 your you know, birthing woman being like, we need to go and you're like no we do not need to go if you want to avoid those interventions we are staying put and we're going to find ways for you to cope and you're going to get comfortable and that's a huge panic moment for dad because they're like Mm. shit when do we go what what do we do you know and then unfortunately sometimes mums are taken too soon and they actually wanted to stay but it's a it's a lot of pressure on dad to get mum to that hospital with the right Mm. time and you don't know until you know and when a woman starts having contractions you can't even imagine in those you know that early labor phase that the contractions are going to intensify they they sort of think Mm. oh okay this is it let's go now and they think that they're that it's better to be in the hospital earlier yeah which is not true you know and that comes down to education as well there's a reason why the midwife says stay stay at home as long as possible and while I think of the multiple people I've spoken to who were still in their early stages of labor, but they're exhausted. It's been a long time. Let's just yeah. go to the hospital and have been sent home. I could not yeah. think of anything more probably defeating, being that exhausted and overwhelmed and unsure just yeah. to be like, oh, no, you're fine. Go home. And really I can tough. see how that, yeah, that can really diminish a birthing woman or birthing person's power, I think. And again, this is another gap doulas can fill. I wanted to ask you though. So yeah. I, I remember chatting to my midwife and she had kind of said to me, you're better off with say 20 tools in your birth box than one or two or three, yeah. meaning all your techniques and positions or what, whatever's yeah. going to help you get through the labor. Yeah. So as a doula, do you have any mm. tools or tips to share um, yeah. that maybe we could be putting in our birth toolbox. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the biggest one is your mind. Like it's free. You don't need to mm. rely on anything, anyone else. The power of your mind will seriously dictate how your labour goes. And that is a big call to make, but I'm mm. really confident in saying that. If you if you want to labour without interventions and without pain relief, if that's your intention, but you do no work on your mind, I'm going to be asking, what are you going to use when you are in the depth of labour and you are literally thinking, my God, I need something to get me through. If you haven't done any work on your mind, and I'm talking visualisation, affirmations, the ability to, I keep saying it, but going to the depth of yourself. If you haven't done any work on how to get there, any breathing techniques, 
and someone you're in a hospital and they're saying to you shall we help you do you need some help shall we take that pain away of course you're gonna be like fuck yeah pass me everything you've got like do it mm. you know literally help me get through this because you don't know any other options but if you've been doing the work and again i'm gonna go back to wednesday because it was just a phenomenal birth if you've been doing the work, you will use every tool in your toolbox, which is predominantly the mind. This mum mm. just nailed it. She recited words from a poem. You know, she, you know, we're doing the dance, we're doing this, we're doing this. You know, she would, I can't do this. I'm like, you can do this. She's like, I can do this. I can do this. And I'm doing it and I'm doing it. And we had her affirmations stuck up on the birth pool wall and there was times that she was just, I was looking at her and she's just staring at these affirmations, looking at herself, staring at the scan photo of her baby. She had her hands on her womb and she's like, I love you, baby. You know, and she's like, I'm ready. Come on, baby. We. She would laugh. She would take the time to look at her partner, to look at me and she'd be like, fuck and then just start laughing you know knowing that that oxytocin and we kept talking about it, it doesn't have to be serious this birth can be fun you know so we would dad would say a couple of jokes which you know we'd sort of had going since antenatal sessions and I just watched how all of these tools she used prior to obviously getting to that point she'd used the tens machine in early labor and I really think that was what got her through staying at home. Um, she used the birth ball. We would use positions. We would be like, come on, time to have a little walk up and down the hallway. So she'd have a little walk. Um, she tried the shower but wasn't super keen on that. But she tried it. So it was another tool. She The rebozo. we used the rebozo even in early labour. We took it to the hospital. We used it in the hospital. She used the birth pool when she was ready to get in. And again, she's like, I don't want to do it too soon. Am I ready? And I'm like, just do what feels right. But she had all these tools, water, rebozo, mm. tens, the power of the mind. So she had a variety of different things to pull her back and keep working. She, she used nothing. She just had sips of water and a couple of sniffs of peppermint to get her through. Mm. Um, you know, so... If you, if it depends what you want, it depends on how you want your birth to go. If you absolutely want to avoid the pain and you do not want to feel anything, I would definitely be having discussions about whether the epidural is the right thing for you to get you through your birth. Everyone is different. It is not my choice or decision to say what is right or wrong. But if, for example, you think I fucking hate needles I can't think of anything worse than an epidural then we need to start looking at alternative tools so it's everyone is different depends on I guess what works for you some women 100% are petrified of the feeling of contractions so you would mm -hmm. be working on how to use the epidural and have the epidural but also keep things calm and working with what works for them um, I don't mm -hmm. think there's any right way to go about it but there are an enormous amount of tools other than an epidural that we can use and so how then as a doula so let's say mm. this happens stillbirth miscarriage premature birth yeah. sometimes yeah. there are needs for emergency cesareans yeah. how does your model of care change then if things aren't going say as planned in those situations you know we're still it's not the path that we hoped for, um, but still being that grounded, calm, supportive person and still giving the options to the woman. Quite often, unfortunately, with, with miscarriage and um, having to birth a baby that isn't going to go home, um, women feel, well, they have to do what they're told um, and they still have options. They are still birthing their babies. And we want to make them feel as though that is true because it is. And we're still going to be there, um, you know, and, and obviously it's a very different situation. But I think that even more so, they need to be seen, they need to be heard, they need to be validated. 
they need to feel like mothers because they are and they need to have someone there with them who can help them through that grief you know we don't get over grief we just work around it and unfortunately what happens a lot of the time with grief is people assume that as time goes on you in you know quotes get over it which is not the case and I think having someone just help you through that and say you you know you are birthing your baby and I know that it is the shittest situation to happen and you don't need to be filled with toxic positivity of you know it is what it is and the most awful phrase of you can still have more children and that just all needs to stop and they just need to be heard and you need to hold space for them because that is tough you know and, and unfortunately a lot of the time the dads are also going through it and they feel again that they have to be there for mom and they don't have the right to grieve their baby either and they need to be strong and you know so being there for the family just to feel what they need to feel throughout that is so important and so Instagram wants to know how yeah. much does a doula cost to hire mm-hmm. and what does it include mm-hmm. and when does a doula's role end Mm. So in terms of cost, everyone's so different. So I would definitely suggest that if someone is wanting to hire a doula to get a get a variety of get get a few options, talk to them all, um, have a chat. Um, if you are struggling financially as well, it's always great to let the person know. Alternatively, you can get in touch with a couple of organisations, the Australian Doula College, and um, provide student doulas which is an amazing experience as well, something that everyone who goes through the ADC has to do three student births. So you have that option. There's a small fee um, for that, but I know it's, it's, it's really affordable. So that's always something if someone is struggling financially. Again, I can't speak for all doulas, so I don't know what people are charging. It depends on often on location, what their package offers. It's definitely best to get in touch with them and have that conversation um the reason a lot of doulas don't put it on their website is not because they don't want to be honest it's because it depends on what is required sometimes the woman may want full antenatal birth and postpartum support which would be very different to someone who doesn't want any postpartum support and again i suppose that's different for what that includes every doula is different they might include two antenatal sessions they might like i include four maybe even six depending on what they want that might be in person virtual you know it's all so different and also the reason that i think it's really important to message a variety of doulas not just because of the cost but it's because you intuitively will know who is right for you you need to have a video conversation or a minimum phone conversation. See how you feel, how your body responds to the things they're saying. See how they are willing to adapt to you, to your situation, to your family. That's the first step in some ways to trusting your intuition is who you will have around you on your support team. So get in touch with a variety of doulas, have the conversation. It's like a like a job interview and it works both ways for us I might speak to some people and go oh hell no I don't want to work I don't want to work with you and that's the truth um so it's really important to do that to have that conversation because it's you're coming into someone's family we're going to be friends we're going to be we're going to be family and we're going to go through it well they're going to remember you for the rest of their life and I'm going to remember them um and our energy is big you know who we spend our time with is important so definitely um taking that time to have those conversations do not be afraid at all to straight up ask them what's your cost um it's absolutely fine to ask that to ask that question and where it ends depends on the client if they want full postpartum support if the doula provides postpartum support for me even just with pregnancy and birth doula support um we do a birth debrief after whenever the clients are ready i don't care when it is it could be i I, look i don't think any personally i can't imagine doing the debrief within a week (laughs) so i let them settle in so we do a birth debrief and then the next session is usually just me popping over helping with some housework older siblings chatting to mom making her feel loved bringing some food go have a bath have a sleep you know just that real 
physical and emotional support there. And for me, that's where it ends for birth and pregnancy support. Debriefing the birth, making sure mum's okay, spoiling her a little, making sure she feels loved, supporting her, making sure dad feels good. And then I just gently exit. But I'm in touch with all my clients even after that, um, checking in. We make sure we're good. How are you feeling? And obviously I'm not there the whole way, but we can go out for lunch as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a doula for life, I think. Well, I think that concludes our little chat. This has been amazing. So good. And mm. yeah, even a little bit therapeutic for me, really, because I'm, glad. I'm at the point now. Yeah, well, I know what I missed out on, but. Now I'm just like, we need to be spreading this message that doulas are, if not more important than any other birth worker. And this this needs to be the norm. Doulas need to be the norm. And we need to be starting this conversation. So thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're listening and would like to share your story with us or feel compelled to talk about issues surrounding women's health, please don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. You can find us at The Power of Birth on Instagram and Facebook or on our website, thepowerofbirth.net. If you loved this episode, we would love it if you left us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and share us with your family and friends. The conversation has to start somewhere. Thank you again for listening and we hope you join us in the next episode.